With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, it's Mike and it's old religion dystopia. Knowing versus belief. Yes. And uh, we're supposed to be uh, supposed to be uh, being joined right now with uh, Ab of uh, of uh, of uh, of uh, fakeologist dot com. It's kind of cool. I've been listening to uh, some of the old recordings. And I just did a long one with uh, um, uh, Chris from Hoax Buster's Call. Pretty cool. Oh, by the way, uh, tonight to be having uh, Nito on and talk more about uh, the punk scene. And then tomorrow, I'll actually be interviewing Chris again. <clears throat> Hopefully, that will be the. 40th recording and the 40th show. Thank you to all those who uh, have uh, subscribed to my or the new YouTube channel, Old Religion Dystopian versus Belief. And and if you're wondering, all the art that's on there is from this crazy dude, Michael Adams. And uh, thank you for all those who are still listening to the old show. I see uh, I'm still getting more downloads from the old show from the new, than the new show. Uh, let's see if we can get a hold of uh, Ab. Ab. Ab, where are you? And if he's not there, he's... Call failed. All right. Ab... Reached out to me last Saturday, thinking that we were doing a show last Saturday. And now he's probably forgot that we have a show today. All right. The things a man must go through. Kekistocracy. Kekistocracy. How have you ever heard that term before? Kekistocracy. Is the state is a state or country run by the worst, least qualified, or most unscrupulous citizens? The word was coined by English author Thomas Love Peacock. What a name. And I don't believe that is his real name. In 1829. Etymology from the Greek word uh, kakistos. Meaning worst, a crack toe, rule, uh, with a literal meaning of government by the worst people. 
Despite its Greek roots, the word was first used in English, but has been adopted into other languages. Its Greek equivalent is, oh gosh, kakistokrektia, Spanish kakristokrektia. And it is French and all blah, 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 Russian. Uh, history. Uh, English author Thomas Love Peacock coined the term in his uh, 1829 novel, Misfortunes of, I guess it's uh, Eifun, or Eifun, It's No, it's Elf. I think it's Elfine. That's what it is. Uh, or maybe it's an I. It has to be Elfine. That's E-L-P-H-I-N. With Kakaist Krusty, and I cannot say it now, Kakaist meaning the opposite of aristocracy. And Arost, Aristos, in Greek, uh, means excellent. In 1838, uh, memoir on slavery, U.S. Senator and slavery proponent William Harper compared kakistocracy to anarchy and said it had seldom occurred due to the honor in quotes, of human nature. Mm. Kind of interesting. You know, I was looking into this thing about uh, the British crown and its use of the lion and the unicorn. Um, And Interesting that the unicorn represents the the Scottish element, and uh, I wonder if I can find this. Yeah. Royal family of name chasers. <laughs> uh, let's see what we got here. Okay, um, we'll go back here. Uh, it's a fictitious creature. I'm talking about a unicorn now. Uh, may seem an odd choice for a country's national animal, but perhaps not for a country famed for its love for and long history of myth and legend. And the unicorn has been a Scottish um, heraldic symbol since the 12th century when it was used on an easily 
early form of the Scottish coat of arms by William the first, October the fifth, two thousand twelve. Yeah, so I was looking at this stuff and Scottishman.com, Scotsman.com, why unicorn, Scotland is national. And of course, you're probably not getting the whole story here as I never do. And certainly can't when it comes to the internet. Uh, maybe, maybe Ab figured he's wasting his time. Who knows? Or it's what the usual usually happens is one of us forgets something, or like me, I forgot or dial a wrong number or whatever. Um, an American historian has uncovered the roots of how the unicorn became Scotland's national animal in the late 1300s. Elias Waters, who is hosting Unicorns, a zoological analysis as part of Scotland's History Festival, first became interested in the subject when she uh, discovered a medieval cookbook that included a, a recipe for how to best how best to cook a mythical beast, or the mythical beast, that being the unicorn. <clears throat> Sounds just like us. During her uh, research, the historian found that the unicorn was believed to be a natural enemy of the lion, a symbol that the English royals adopted around a hundred years before. According to folklore, the lion and the unicorn hate each other, a tradition going back to the ancient Babylonians in 3,500 BC. The second natural enemy, the, the elephant. It was always said that the unicorn was always, would always defeat the elephant, that it had this immense strength to it, even despite its diminished size. It couldn't be beaten by something as large and powerful as an elephant. And then it's got the gnarls, uh, gnarls, teeth, were often used as Unicorn horns, and of course, that's the type of whale with the big uh, horn thing on him, the big speary horn thing found in the Arctic. Quote, I think it also had to do with the idea of nobility and purity. And, and another quote, uh, in various depictions of the unicorn. The stories that go along with it, there's one in particular. The water cleansing story. A snake, excuse me, a snake would come up to the watering hole and poison it. 
But then the unicorn would then come along and dip the horn into the watering hole and purify it for all the other animals. Wow. I wonder if uh, in the future, United States of America, the, the, the animal that would represent us will be Bigfoot. <laughs> I never know. All right. Uh, quote, it had... So it had a combination of this power uh, to dominate. But instead of using the power, it used it to protect and provide other uh, resources for other animals. And in medieval times, when there was this great focus on chivalry, it became the ultimate animal. It could do whatever it wanted because of that power, but it chose to use its power to make better for all for other things. All right, and a new quote. And when you combine this with all the other stories about the its greatness, its power, and its ferocity, you can understand why they wanted it. And a quote. In West in parts of the world, the unicorn was believed to be the to be real for around 2,500 years, and was adopted as Scotland's natural anim, animal for King Robert in the late 1300s. And for all we know, that it did exist. We have no no evidence that it didn't, nor do we have any evidence that it did, except for words on a book. So, once again, we're in the dilemma of being in the dark, being ignorant once again about the subject matter. The existence of the medieval creature uh, was only disapproved in 1825 by scientist Baron George Coviar, I guess how you pronounce it, who said it was not feasible for an animal that had a split hoof to have a single horn coming from the top of its head. Worldwide, belief in the unicorn lasted well over 4,000 years, particularly in the Eastern Asia, where it was a benevolent bringer of good luck. And isn't it interesting that the more you look into the history, especially religion, uh, or that it all comes from the East? It really does. <laughs> Basically, we look at Christianity as just a Western version of the uh, came out of India. Well, it's a combination of all thereof and many different religions. Very unoriginal. While the theory that the, a unicorn uh, could not physically exist was disproved by Dr. Dove in 1900 due to his experiment with a bull calf. Huh. By this point, no one really believed that the unicorn existed in the first place, Mrs. Waters said. This belief that Europeans held so strongly influenced thousands of years of the elite in society. The famous Greek philosopher Aristotle 
wrote about the physical appearance of the unicorn based on oh, C-T-E-S-I-A-S book called Indica, like India, but it's with a, with a C between the I and the A. And I don't know if this is, well, let's find out how you pronounce this word, this name of this book. Let's find out what the, what the elite. No. Looks like I got some email, but it probably is more pornography. Gosh, I'm so sick of the, the spam. I mean, it's just never ending. Never ending. Oh, you got got the whole damn thing. Sis, uh, all right, let's answer that. Let's find out how you pronounce that thing. Pronounce. Thank goodness for that. That's one of the best things I think of anything about the internet is by learning how to pronounce words and there would have learned how to pronounce in my profound isolation. Tezius, Tezius Indica, Indica, Tezius Indica. What an interesting idea. A book. Let's see. Who is the one who got ecologist? Empty subject. Yes. How to reach. How to reach. All right, let me try to get a hold of Ab here. He's asking how to reach. I'm trying to reach you through Skype. Unless you have another way. Another way to be breached. Anyways, that's kind of cool. I, you know, sometimes it's nice, actually, even when they show up late, it gives me a chance to focus on a couple things that I've been focusing on. So, uh, yeah. TCS. Is that what I pronounced right? Oh, I can't remember. TCS. TCS. Indica, the first mention of the Western literature of India, which uh, described the herd habits of the unicorn. Uh, as the court physician of King uh, Darius II, Theseus heard stories from delegates from across the world, some of which were tales A mystical unicorn of the mystical unicorn, which gave his position in the palace and was taken to be fact. It was thought that there was several animals which influenced the unicorn, including 
the most common, the Indian rhino. And yeah, the Indian rhino. Okay. When we think about unicorns now, we think of this horse-like body, pure white and with a white horn that looks like a narwhal tusk. That's N-A-R-W-H-A-L, tusk. That's the type of uh, the that whale that I'm sure most probably know about it. But didn't spend too much time learning about, uh, which is very different from how it was first talked about by the Greek and Romans. And they believed it to be quite large, with really powerful hoofs that were single, like a sheep, and not split like the horse. The horn itself was supposed to be very long and black. So the antelope would have given aspects such as the horn, the coloration. Quote, by the time we get to the European side of things, a lot of people have not been to these places where the other types of animals came from, so they could only work off of what animals they could see and the bestiaries or drawings of animals that they knew themselves. Bestiaries. So you see these bestiaries, the drawings of unicorns, were given characteristics for animals like greyhounds, sheep, and goats. The depiction of the unicorn got smaller and smaller until it became this very tender goat-like creature. As that, actually, in some of the depictions, they look as small as mice. In others, they look large, around the size of a boar, and they have various characteristics characteristics added unto them as the stories over the years as stories do over the years excuse me so they might have the body of a boar but the head of a pig and the tails of a horse and the body of a goat the tail of a lion the medieval europe in the medieval europe the unicorn became this highly influential status of power, which impacted every level of society for thousands of years. The use of mythology and symbolism to create uh, oneself, project oneself as them being larger than life. You see that in football teams and baseball teams and stuff like that. He, he did an email me. Maybe he's still there. I don't know. Call failed. Call of change. All right. Now yeah, we're learning about unicorns anyways. Okay, because... Uh, 
because merchants would sell unicorn horns, they were often gifts for kings, for different religious institutions. And these things would cost tens of thousands of pounds. And that's before you do the currency conversion into modern money. They were absolutely extravagant. The unicorn became so universally believed and because it was so heavily integrated with their daily lives. The horn was used as an antidote in medication. So people weren't just talking about these things as a mythological creature, but were literally interacting with what they thought were unicorns themselves. That personal interaction, that touch, it makes it more than something that's lofty or an ideal that can't be touched. It became an ideal that was almost uh, corporal in a way. And let's, let's do something here. Before we just assume we know what this word means, why don't we copy it? Endless corporel. And I have to go through this whole thing again. For some reason, when you, when you <clears throat> okay, relating to a person's body, especially as opposed to their spirit. Having a body consisting of material objects tangible. Cope, po, real. Cope, real. Anyways, let's go back here. This way, this was an important aspect as to how people came to believe that the unicorn existed for all those thousands of years. There are four main aspects of how to sell a myth. Uh, Okay. Well, this is, once again, this is the author's opinion from scotsman.com. It it, it needs to provide, I guess this would be number one, it needs to provide for a need, which the unicorn provided through being an antidote to poison. Two, it needs to fit into the scientific knowledge of that time. It cannot or it can't be this explanation just because of magic and, or supernatural. It really needs to fit with the understanding. Hey, he's there. It needs to. It needs to fit the scientific knowledge of that time. It can't be this explanation of just because magic or supernatural or the supernatural. It really needs to fit in with the understanding people had, and it needed to be plausible. And then four, it needs to be something people can interact with. 
So the importance of touch and the importance of those items which were sold and traded as unicorn horns, whatever they were used for, whether it was goblets or jewelry or even just table decorations, the importance of that physicality. Anyways, Abby there. Uh, Abby there. Hello? Busy? Dude, you're trying to call you in. Which number? Dude! I am trying to call you in. It says it is busy. See if it's the office. Who's sure that? Number is busy. Rajo. What's going on? I don't know. Is he here? There's nobody here. It's all right. It's it's like Saturday at noon. If you guys are going through what I'm going through with this. Uh, how hot it is. I mean, it's going to be like 50s again. The last week was in the 70s. And this week's going to be the 50s. And it's the early March. They've, uh, they're, they're geoengineering. They've really screwed up the weather, that's for sure. So anyways, we were just reading about the aspects, the four aspects of a myth and how it needs to have for its importance. Uh, the way unicorns are now portrayed in society has very much changed from its noble, lofty status to a very child-oriented tale. It's drawn a lot of characteristics from the Asian... All right. See if I call him in this time, man. Hey, Mike. Hey, Shalom. Hey, <laughs> how's it going, Al? How you doing? Not bad, yeah. Uh, I'm okay, man. It's uh, I've been uh, reading. Uh, just got done. Just about reading. Uh, about unicorns. <laughs> okay. 
and about uh, why it is the animal for Scotland. And if you look at the British crown and it's the lion and the unicorn. So a very interesting right. fact that they discovered is that uh, uh, the ruling elite, in quotes, uh, spend tens of thousands of pounds. They're now talking about prior 1300s for a unicorn horn. Imagine what a woman costs today. <laughs> are we live now, Mike? We are. I started the show because uh, it starts. Okay. Well, it started at. Uh, I didn't know if you were going to join me or not. So it happens with, uh, you know. No, I was going to join you. I just couldn't get a hold. I didn't get an email from you just confirming, and then, uh, then I wanted to know how you wanted me to dial in. So. That's okay. We're here now, right? Give me a chance to read about unicorns, man. So. All right. Good. Look, People can learn about unicorns, and well, you know what's next. <laughs> oh, there's all sorts of things. We're going to talk fairies? about. Uh, I don't have any information on unicorns or fairies or anything else in common mythology, so I can't really yeah. comment on that. It's not my right. daily wick. Well, you know, I was thinking that the way things are going, uh, within 50 years and a generation or two, uh, the animal for what we know is uh, the United States of America, which is nothing the same thing as the United States, will be Bigfoot. Bigfoot! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not, well, Maybe you're right. I've got about uh, 90 minutes. All right. That I can gift to you. All right, man. Well, uh, yeah. Maybe about so, 80 so- minutes. All right, man. Well, here we are, man. Finally got a chance to talk. And uh, yeah, I have. I I listened to your show before. Um, I haven't listened to it lately. Do you do a show every week, or what's your? Well, I started a new one. My old my old one was uh, nothing but the truth, and I started a new one called Old Religion Dystopia. So, and oh, okay. I, I uh, it's pretty much as as I go. A lot of times, it's based on the guest and when they can talk to me and when yeah. I don't have someone, I don't have my son. So, okay. Um, how often do you do it? The show? Well, see, I started the new show, uh, oh, it's the beginning of last month. Yeah. And Chris will be Chris, uh, from, uh, Chris Kendall, as you know, yeah, from Pokesbusters Paul, he's my first guest and he'll be my 40th guest tomorrow. So, Oh wow. we're, do, we're doing a series on uh, the American hardcore scene because, well, I'm almost 50 years old and I was part of it back in the day. No oh, worries. Are, are you talking yeah. about what's hardcore? Rock, you mean? Hardcore punk. Oh, okay. Like uh, Minor Threat and The Misfits, Necros, DOA. Oh, they're really positive, uplifting name bands out there. <laughs> I've never so, heard of any of them. No. That's okay, man. And I'm I, 49. Well, how old are you? Do you mind me asking? I'm the same age, and obviously okay. we grew up in parallel universes because I've never heard of those bands. I know what, I've heard of hardcore rock or, or whatever you want to call it, but I, I'm not familiar with it because I, I don't tune into that stuff. 
Not not uh, not because I don't want to. I just wasn't exposed to it. Maybe I'd love it. Well, it was more of a the thing I did. You know, as a I was a band called Majority of One, and anyways, it doesn't mean anything today. But it, you know, except for the reminisce about the past, and you know, why did did we? It was all about this DIY type of thing, do it yourself. You know, underground stuff, producing your own uh, albums, which are really tape cassettes, and, <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know, have making up your own shows, playing in people's basements or in dives here or there. So, yeah, it was a good time. It was an opportunity for, uh, you know, teenage dudes with a full of testosterone and angst and sick of the oppressive nature of the society that we live in. It was a yeah, chance okay. to, to rebel, but of course they got usurped just like everything else. So. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Every movement I've ever been in got usurped. So <laughs> so anyways, tell us about, uh, uh, for the folks that listen to, to my show and those that uh, go on the YouTube channel, what's it all about, man? Fakeologist. Fakeologist? Well, Fakeologist yeah. is a site I started in 2012, mainly to research 9-11, and that was my biggest awakening, and I decided to create a blog. I've had many blogs that have nothing to do with media fakery before. Um, I've even had websites that I just created out of scratch before a blogging software came along and once that came along it made things a lot easier and made things more presentable so I found that to be helpful that way I didn't have to do all the coding of the web pages myself which takes time and I couldn't you have to have a good editor and page software so all all I really want to do is just self-publish something and uh, when 9-11 came along um, the awakening for me in 2012, I just decided to focus on that because I was quite amazed that uh, I was fooled at such a level. And um, at that, I also, well, I was looking into 9/11, found TalkShoe as a piece of broadcasting software, and I've always been big into radio and listening to radio so I thought oh this sounds this looks really cool I can create my own broadcast without too much effort so I that was, I just merged a bunch of hobbies with a new interest which is researching 9-11 and just saw the potential for just creating self-publishing basically whether or not anyone would listen or read didn't really bother me because that wasn't my point. I just wanted to combine interests, which is what I did. Right. Sounds like we both woke up about the same time. Interesting. I wonder what. Yeah, that is. I don't really. I don't like that term, but I guess that's the main way to describe it. Just or just see things in a different way than the average person sees them. Right, or the veil was lifted a little bit for us. I I doubt that we're quite woke up. <laughs> I doubt. Well, it. <laughs> we might be about certain issues, but the whole the big picture, the holistic picture. Um, 
I'm discovering just every day there's something new. So, you know. Well, yeah, maybe you look deeper. I'm some. I, I'm pretty satisfied with a cursory look at what I look into. I I don't I don't get too deep. I don't know if it's just because I don't have the um, tenacity to go right down to the base level or the interest. It's or a little bit of both. I still live in the real world for the most part, so. I only have so many hours I'm finding in the day, and after a while it does get tiring, and it's not rewarding financially or socially in any way. <laughs> but uh, I do. I'm still interested in it, but uh, I don't. I don't know to what end the research gets me to, other than um, just okay. I know more than most people. Uh, I can't make money from it. I can't really convince too many people of my way of looking at things. So I'm not going to. Re- I'm not going to bother. I just I'll put I'll put my little signpost on the vast internet and l- leave it up as long as it's allowed and as long as it, it's still very hard for people to find anything on the internet, even with Google, which is probably the greatest tool to somewhat index this wild wild wide open field i'm old enough to know the different search engines of the past most of which couldn't find very much of anything even though there may have been stuff out there they if they're not indexed you just can't find them and you can people can relate to that because drop a file on your computer without looking at the path and then try and find it even windows with its great so-called great search engine, it can't find a file on your own computer very easily <laughs> or an old email in your, in your saved emails. I, I'm also always amazed how hard it is to find an old email because I don't delete them. I just archive them. Right. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I haven't looked too hard for old emails, so, uh, but I can imagine. <laughs> Well, if you're looking at something from years gone by, say a quote or some business correspondence, or you're just trying to remember something you said or you, or you want to just collate and reference, it's uh, not that easy. Probably the best search e- searchable email is Gmail, which Google owns that too. So I try to stay away from it because I don't, I don't really want to make it that easy for them to know everything I'm doing. And so I use my own server just like... Hillary made famous. Oh yeah, but, uh, but or did uh, or or did she make it famous? <laughs> or is it somebody? Well, somebody, somebody made it famous. Yeah, she probably <laughs> has no idea what she did or if she did it at all. But it doesn't right. matter. It doesn't no. really matter. It's the perception that counts. Anyway, so I'm I'm plugging along with my website, fakeologist dot com. Um, right. It just bumps along, and every time I have something to throw in the pile, I do. I've, I've also subdivided my blog because I've noticed that my as my interests change, I like to keep them segregated because apparently, if you think, if you if you are interested in one controversial topic, it t- it tends to interfere with another. So if someone agrees with you on 9-11, they might not agree with your research into the nature of the earth or into the nature of the people that rule over us. So I, I've decided to, to, to keep them somewhat separate. 
So uh-huh. I have sub blogs. Um, for instance, on the nature of the earth, I I've created a sub blog called flatearth.fakeologist.com. Not necessarily because I believe in the flat earth, but it just was an easy word to remember for me and to share with others. Just some of the research I've found, and I collate what I find is interesting and and what might be the right path. But I don't really have a strong view on the nature because I'm pretty convinced it's pretty impossible to have a theory that's provable. So, and I just like most people just wonder and I'm quite sure that what we're told is not right, but I don't know what right, what, what is right. So I've got that. And, um, recently I've created another sub blog called egi.fakeologist.com, which is a sub blog concerned with elite gender inversion, which is commonly referred to as transsexual. And that's that's just another recent interest that I am not quite sure about, but I'm pretty fascinated with that topic right now. I thought it was laughable only a few months ago, but it, when you look at it calmly, there is a possibility that there is some higher level fooling around with the human biome or biology. So that's that's another recent sub blog that uh, I started, but I have a, I host a couple of contributors that are more interested in it than I that have done some interesting research. Whether I agree with it or not, I'm not. I'm always I'm always evolving on that. And the final blog sub blog is is more ab m o r e a b dot fakeologist dot com, and that's where I put stuff that doesn't really fit into the 9-11 or EGI or flat earth category. It's just, just general musings basically on politics and uh, just information that I like to highlight that I can't really fit into the other sub blogs. So I keep them all separate and I keep them all mostly categorized. So if you have, they all have slightly different threads in each one of them. And uh, that keeps me very busy just, just contributing and posting. And I used to do a broadcast for once a week, but I got very busy with the real world again. So I had to, I put it on hold basically because scheduling guests is very difficult as I'm sure you're aware. And I couldn't, I couldn't dedicate the time at the same time every week. So I just, just got lazy and decided I'll just leave that as it were. And, um, I'd I'd like to do it again because I really like talking to people and just asking questions and uh, especially people that don't really have a a good voice out there. There's a lot of people with YouTube channels I almost don't have to interview because they say everything they need to say on their own. But uh, occasionally it's fun. It would be fun to ask questions of them as to what they're doing and who they who they are. So that's just a, a, a that's a sub. That's just basically a synopsis of what I'm up to to this day. Well, I can relate with everything you just said there. Um, okay, it's like like being part of some little subculture ourselves. It's kind of uh, oh, it's kind of like the DIY kind of attitude of the punk scene in the '80s. Today, yeah. where you're just doing your own thing and uh, the best of your ability with the the uh, tools 
at your disposal. So, and you know, really, I was thinking about it. What's the ultimate outcome of all this? Well, you know, there's all those there's folks out there that idealistic and want to change the world, and you know, start some kind of movement and take on the elite. I don't know. Maybe you're one of them. I don't know. Uh, but for me, I'm not an elite, and I'm not. I can't. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I'm. I, I don't think I'm changing anything, but mainly because I understand now how hard it is to change people, and how easy, how difficult it is to make people do anything in the world, and that's why I believe events are created by the people that rule over us in such a big way because it is very difficult to get anyone to change their opinion on anything is even minor things through life and i've i've been told that uh, you have seven years in which you can mold a child the first seven years they are malleable after seven years they've basically set so to change a child even, you basically have to break them after seven years. So if everyone is set in their ways at about the age of seven, then how do you change people's attitudes in a population? Basically, you have to blow things up around them and force them to change because <laughs> you're not going to win them over or convince them to do anything. And I'm talking about the most basic behaviors. And uh, that's why people who rule over us are aware of that and they have developed a system to move society whichever way is profitable to them. And that's that's basically, if you want to sum up what I've learned over the last five, I guess this is the fifth year, that basically is the lesson I've learned. So I've really been studying psychology for five years. I think I have a master's in media fakery psychology now. Now I'm quite aware of how things are done, how how we move people. So that's that's really what I'm fairly grateful for all this research. That's really what it's taught me in a practical sense. Now, I can't really use that information myself because like, I'm not uh, in the position where I'm, I need to change people. And I can only change myself, really, and how I react with other people because even I can't convince some of the most uh, open-minded and close people to me to just about anything I look into. So there, therefore, I realize now the difficulty the elites have in changing society the way they want it. All right. It goes kind of leads back to the unicorn because <laughs> that's what it was. That's what it's always been. It's a psychological tool. Yeah. To manipulate not only the the uh, you know the pe- the peasants the peasants excuse me uh, but the yeah. elite and the the elite got used more than anything so uh, yeah and, and my research has led me to if you, if you get a chance look into uh, Babylonian Woe I don't know if you have okay. yet but it's no. an old book from the seventies and it talks about the use of usury the uh, fiat currency or banking system that we're under along with religion which nobody wants to talk about mm-hmm. that ultimately leads to one thing war 
<laughs> Those three things are how you manipulate and control the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is the religion of today? Well, the scientism, it's, uh, you know, as the Catholicism in our, well, Catholicism is just a, it's a hodgepodge of a whole bunch of different religions, you know, leading back to India. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but, uh, you know, as they look to the East, what their ceremony. Well, big religion are. now is environmentalism, I would say. Oh, yeah. I was part of it, man. I went to school for that. And uh, Oh, did you really? Okay, that's interesting. I went to environmental management and science. and Actually, oh. the, the rhythm guitar player ended up being, you know, some big wig in the EPA. Uh, the, the old band that was in high school. So, yeah, it was the religion for those. Although I was raised a Mormon. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. They, okay. You know, it's the cultural thing, if you look at the times in television, it was really pushing that on, you know, especially with uh, PBS and how bad the world is and how terrible it is and how overpopulated and all the extinction of animals and it's how terrible we are. <laughs> and then yeah. I discovered it was just, just another con. It's self-flagellation, <laughs> I guess, really. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, and those who are who are in. I mean, I worked for uh, an environmental consulting firm, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a fascinating observation on my part. Was seeing uh, folks with PhDs so compromised, it was as disheartening. Um, you get folks with the you know they have master's degrees and PhDs, maybe it's in um, marine biology or genealogy or whatever it may be. Couldn't find a decent job, so they work for these environmental consulting firms, making a few more bucks more an hour than me, and I didn't even have my degree. And bitching and moaning and pretty much helping the polluters keep on polluting, man. Yeah. Really, it was, dis- <laughs> it was discouraging for me, man. Not only that, but then it got, you know, the bill that, I, that cost me to get in the education. You know, and being a debt a debt slave, all, which is really what it was all about in the, in the first place. I discovered so. Oh yeah. You know. So you're up, you're up in, what, in Ontario. Is that where you're at? Yeah, in Toronto. In Toronto. Toronto, right. the media capital of Canada. <laughs> so, what what is it like in Toronto, man? Well, it's I, uh, I, I, hear, I hear a lot of good things about it. I hear that it's got kind of like a. Uh, well, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of it's kind of laid out like England, uh, a London, because I lived in London for about. Well, I lived in England for three years, but London in particular, I lived for. Yeah, I've years. never been. I've never been off this continent. I've never been to London. I just go there with Google Maps if I feel like it. But other than that, I've never been there. I would say Canada is emerging. It's a hybrid of the United States and and Europe. Um, it's a it's an Americanized city that wants to be European. That's really <laughs> the way. That's really the way it was 25 years ago. Now it's just a, I would call it a, a United Nations type city. That it's just a huge hodgepodge of every nationality you can think of, every religion, and uh, for the most part, uh, people get along pretty well. I doubt there's any real crime that goes on here. We don't have the racial conflict that we're told is in the United States. 
inner city every single day. Um, I'm not saying I don't believe it, but I don't, we don't, I don't see it here. Um, it's cold. When you, when you, when you say, when you say racial conflict, are you talking black on black or black and white? Because if it's well, in the city, it's black on black. There's a black white divide in the U.S. in major oh, yeah. cities. That's what we're told. And I, I, I don't know because I've, I've never sat in a, or toured around a, a Detroit or Chicago lately. I've, I've been in Detroit a few years ago, but I didn't really look around to see what was happening uh, in the evening, and I was there in the day. But other than that, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's really happening in Chicago because I'm not there, for instance. I have a cousin who used to live there. I could, I guess I could call him, but I don't talk to him anyway. So right. I, don't really, uh, I don't really know what's going on. But other than that, it's uh, cold about two-thirds of the year. Uh, we're on the Great Lakes. We're, we would be considered in the Great Lakes mega region. Uh, that's part of uh, America 2050. Yeah, so we're me. probably up there. Pardon me? I'm a suburb of Toledo on the west side of... Uh, oh, you're in Toledo? I'm one of those guys that, that knows that you can see Chicago from the west side of the Lake Michigan. And yeah. So, are you, you are in Toledo now, or you were? I'm in, the right on the, I'm in a suburb of Toledo called Sylvania. I'm right on the border of Michigan. Okay. Well, we're, we're basically the same, uh, in the same country. We're in the Great Lakes mega region. That's right. Uh, you're on the other <laughs> side of... Uh, Lake Drury. <laughs> um, the, muddy, the muddy side. The muddy side, man. <laughs> yeah, you're at the, uh, at the uh, beginning end of the lake, I like to look at. The lee end is, uh, of course, Buffalo. And that's why they get all the snow, because the wa- cold air goes over the warmer water and hammers Buffalo. So, yeah, we're in the same area. We, I'm sure we get the same weather. And, um, have, you guys been having, been... have you guys been having, like, a heat spells? Because like it's going to be like two weeks ago or last week, it was like in the seventies. Like <laughs> well, it never got to the seventies. It got to the high sixties probably. Um, yeah. you know, we we were given the European or the global temperature system and by our prime minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau in nineteen seventy six. So we talked Celsius. Right. So yeah, I believe it was in the high sixties, and um, so today it's freezing out. About um, I would say in the 50, in the teens or or twenties in Fahrenheit or minus ten in Celsius, so it's pretty damn cold today. Right. But it's clear. I well, back it. to my back to my question yeah. about about Toronto. So the reason why yeah. I'm asking is, do you guys yeah. have boroughs or do you have uh, suburbs? Is it boroughs or suburbs? Or are they the well, same thing? Toronto, Toronto used to have boroughs which were independent areas around Toronto, the, the downtown. And then 20 years ago, they decided to merge it all into one big city, which I was, at the time I was supporting because there's so many, there were five mayors and it didn't make any sense because it was, we all had one police force, but five mayors. And we, they, everyone, had their, everyone had their own fire department. Um, so it just seemed like it, it made sense to merge everything into one mega city. They called it a mega city, which I guess is sort of a United Nations term. That's the more I, the more I look at it, the more I, uh, just see United Nations influence in the city 
And then we had a lot of technocrats, people that really bought into the United Nations way of building a city. And that's basically what they did. So we're in one big city in Toronto. And there's about 3 million people in that. And just if you want to include all the people around the west end of Lake Ontario, they call it the Golden Horseshoe. There And there's probably about 8 million. So this is the fourth biggest market in North America after New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, and then there's the Toronto area. So it's a pretty big group of people up here. Well, now in England, in London, each borough had its own ethnic group. So when I was in no, England, we don't have I, that. So in Tottenham, would it be all Africans and East Ham, would be all Pakistanians and Indians and etc. No, I don't have that. No, there's no segregation that way. But we have two types of people, people that can afford to live in Toronto and people that can't. The people that can't have to just drive farther out. Those are the real divisions. The people that have money live closer to the city. And the people that don't have to do a lot of driving. So I usually do a lot of driving. That's why I listen to a lot of audio because I... I had to drive a long way away from the city to be able to afford a a house. That was 25 yeah. years ago. So I still yeah. wouldn't be able to buy a house in the city. <laughs> but I'm just sitting on mine now because there's nowhere to move unless I want to live in the country, which I'd have to drive even farther. Right. And you have you have you have kids as well, right? I have children, yeah. Yeah, or children, I should say, not kids. Yeah. Nah. Sorry. <laughs> well, I, that, yeah, words are important, and um, yeah, I agree with uh, many people that don't want to call them kids because I'm a bit of a contrarian as well. So I see the wisdom in not calling them baby goats because it's sort of um, it's a sort of a, a pejorative to put down young people as or young humans as kids, little animals, which is kind of stupid. So I. I I kind of nitpick on that too. I think it's kind of funny first, but I do see the point. Yeah. Um, and I, I listened to you. You had a long interview. My very first interview with, uh, with Chris Kendall was six hours as well. Uh, yours was, yeah. pretty, how long was yours? It was long. It's like, well, I've talked to Chris a few times. We do the, um, well, you just I did have, the last one. The last one was super long. It was yeah, five hours long. Chris is a great talker. Actually, oh, he is. He's a great talker. I don't really have to say anything. You just have to press the button, and he'll just start talking. Um, but uh, I talked to him just off the cuff on an audio chat. I think audio chat, sort of my mobile setup. I created my own mobile audio recording setup that's automatic, and uh, I got him on the audio chat. Do you ever want to? Uh, I it's not very active because. Most people aren't that interested in talking, I guess, or freestyling. But uh, yeah, we. I is, talk that, is that is that Radio Three, the the third radio? You got like three. Yeah, days. that's Radio Three. I'm actually going to cut it back to two radio internet streams because um, number one, I have to pay for it. Number two, I don't think anyone in, it listens. So uh, <laughs> I got a good I got a good deal from the server provider on on three of them, but now they raise their prices, so I'll probably just cut it off. Um, cause I still think the future of radio is internet radio and internet streaming. And I'm quite sure 
that uh, most radio frequencies are going to be shut down in the next 10 years. I know FM was shut down in Norway in the last year, and it switched to digital, which uh, is good for internet streaming. So the whole reason I set up these streaming sites is I figure people will be tuning into them in their cars. Um, right. I figure my, my audience yeah. as well. I have, I'm not, like Chris, in his chat room, he'll have like tons of people, but uh, mine, I usually don't have, a lot of times I don't have any, just because I, I, I revolve around the, I try to revolve around the guest. Things are going to change for me, hopefully, in okay. a year, you know, but when my son finally goes into the public pool system, and I don't have much oh, choice yeah. in the matter, so... uh yeah, so things will change, well, but for well, now, um, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, reach out to as many p- potential guests as possible. And most of the people good. that listen to my show, uh, I, I base it on downloads. So yeah, <laughs> you I, know what I mean. <laughs> you know, yeah, live um, live broadcasts are just not convenient for people, and people have completely abandoned appointment viewing and appointment radio shows for the most part. And that's fine. That's that's good for people that don't have a live signal because most people don't listen or watch that way anymore. They've changed their habits completely. It's actually turned the tele live vision or the sitcom production business on its head in the last year. And there's so many people that have cut the cable. I've cut I cut my cable about eight or nine years ago. And yeah. uh, I just don't I don't look at appointment television. It's dead. So really, appointment radio is probably the same way. So live radio is not that important anymore. So yeah, I agree that uh, you could just do... If you can pump out something at the same time, it's easier for people just to look for it, like Chris does. And that's why Chris has a pretty good audience, uh, live audience, because he's very, very consistent. But I, I can't be consistent, unfortunately. So I just do it when I can. I have about 20 guys I'd love to do an interview with, but I just can't make an appointment with them, and, and just I just can't carve out two hours that are going to match theirs. And if I had to make it go live, it'd be even harder because then then you'd be a slave to that time, that consistent time where people expect you. So yeah, I, I don't see anything wrong with uh, time shifted or downloading audio or video. Yeah, well, what else can folks? Most working folks, what can they do? So uh, uh, my theory is that most of the folks that are listening to me are uh, working, the working class. So whether blue or white collar and, you know, have time to actually, like you said, you're driving time or at work. uh, Yeah. And it's great to be able to pause a broadcast. So if it's live, you can't pause it. So if it's if it's on your smart device, you can pause it and and I even pause music when I get out of the car. Sometimes when I'm listening to a concert, I pause it because <laughs> it may be as long <laughs> I like. So I pause everything now. It's it's pretty um, pretty easy to do, of course. Well, you 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 mentioned uh, twenty guys. Name some of them that you would like to interview that you can't. Well, I a lot of YouTubers. And um, just a lot of people that I listen to, actually, with their with their own podcast. Now, again, most of them don't need an interview because they already do their own broadcast. So we already know enough about them. But um, 
I just I would just like to have a conversation with them. Um, I, I have a pretty wide range of podcasts on my smart device, my Android device, my my non Apple device, and uh, most of those people that I listen to, I would like to talk to. I've, now, of course, I talk to Chris and and uh, a few of the people we know, and John Adams, to name a few. It'd be fun to talk to the No Agenda guys, but they, I doubt they would. Um, have time or be interested in uh, having a behind the curtains interview, but I have listened to uh, or interviewed a couple podcasts, uh, including a, a non-fakeologist podcast, the Humble and Fred Show. I do talk to that guy because he said he's interested in conspiracy talk, and he he is sort of in a way. He's he's more like everyone else in the world. He's just has a passing interest in it. He doesn't get too deep. Um, so there's quite a few, a lot of YouTubers, because that's where people are. A lot of YouTubers I like to talk to and get their get the backstory, a little bit of the backstory. We know the front story because a lot of them are pumping out a a video a day, which is just tremendous output. Knowing what it takes to put into a video production, it's almost it seems like it's their jobs for the most part. But uh, yeah. Maybe I remember job. You, you and uh, Chris mentioned uh, Pocket of the Future. Pocket of the Future, yeah. And, That's uh, a guy named Paul Romano. He's a very... I, I've very, reached out to him. He hasn't, he hasn't responded. I wanted to come on to talk to him. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm looking at it right now. I'm just going through a list of the, 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 uh, the YouTube channels that uh, I kind of listen to, maybe, here and there. And... Uh, yeah. He's, I'm like 22 videos behind. <laughs> like I can't keep up with what he puts up. Yeah, I don't. Exactly. E- I don't even watch the videos. I use um, software to rip the audio off the videos. I don't sit in front of my computer watching YouTube's. But if they're smart enough to have a conversation or or a narration in their YouTube's, I'll take the audio and I'll listen to them as I'm driving. But I, I don't sit in front of my computer watching videos, but I'll listen to them. And hopefully they'll... He does a narration in front of slides, so I don't really need to see the pictures that he's showing on the screen. He doesn't really do any dramatic videos, but um, I know he uses it to distribute his thoughts. So yeah, he's I'm, I'm behind in his too. I, I have a hundred podcasts on my current list right now that I'm trying to get through wow and uh <laughs> it's just a lot of audio it's hundreds of hours and a lot of it's nonsense i have to agree but uh i just I think the, the, the only the only one i really watch would probably be the truth is stranger than fiction that guy who does see i don't know if you got a chance to listen to his they're short they're usually no more than 15 minutes and flat earth he's a christian got that guy and he's kind of Christian Bent, but uh, he still has okay. some really good insights, great insights. But uh, yeah, I'm a I'm an audio guy. I, I'm I'm yeah. an artist. I'm an artist, and uh, you know, heck, I should since you're on Skype, you don't even know what I look like. I'll scare you by showing you what I look like. Well, I like theater of the mind, so you don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless you're not, there. I mean, if you're walking around, you got a headset. But uh, I was like, hey, there I am. Hey, there you go. Can you no, I'm just, uh, hold on a sec if you want me to look at you. I think you have a picture of yourself. With my son? I don't know. Yeah, there's some picture of you there. It's a little thing. I can't see you right now. So 
Oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. I usually no, let I my, my guests my guests look at my ugly mug and say, "Yeah, I'm a real human being." So, uh, well, I'm sure you are. I'm sure you're not a sim. <laughs> but I, but, I uh, I'm not. I don't uh, advertise my face either. I think I like a modicum of privacy. So, I'm not in it for the publicity. I'm just in it for the uh, just the common interest with people that are. Um, also interested in this stuff and and that's the beauty of the internet it can pull people together from all over the world and uh because our numbers are so low uh you're probably only going to find one or two people in each major area really realistically that that's a that's probably a fairly realistic number so if there really are seven billion people in the world god you might only have a few thousand and half of them aren't really available for for discussion. They're not reaching out. They just know stuff, but they probably don't want to say anything. So you're really talking about a really low number worldwide. So that's why the people that are awake like you and I are so manageable because we can be ignored for the most part. Yeah, we are. <laughs> and, yeah. and and the censorship is... Uh, well, it's our the immediate people around us, really. So, because um, most people don't want to talk about these sort of yeah. things. You so, don't really have to be censored. We're just ignored. The best way to drive someone crazy is ignore them. Yeah, we all know that. We do it in our own personal lives. Don't yeah. acknowledge, and uh, that's why just to go out well, and, think I- and change the world is crazy. Because the people that rule over us, they need to blow up things to get our attention. Otherwise, we're not even looking. <laughs> it's, it's, well, you're right. It's all part of the strategy. So their strategy, once again, if it, like I said, Babylonian Wolf, get a chance to read it and get it online. Yeah. Um, Gordon Comstock read it already, so you can find it at the James Ambrose. Uh, I think that's what it is, or James Ambus. James Ambus. Uh, YouTube channel. He's got a lot of the okay. old stuff from like uh, Visigoth or Keith Hansen, which is one of my favorite people to, to interview. You know, he's retired. Um, uh, oh, Keith yeah, Hansen, I've, I've Visigoth. Heard, yeah, I've, I heard a lot. I downloaded a ton of his stuff and did listen to him, and he talked to some um, person regularly. I can't remember his name, but he was quite interesting. He, he came at it from the religious angle. But... Uh, I don't think um, Visigoth is on board with our my way of looking at media fakery or nine eleven at all. So, well, I can tell you, he's not. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think, but he never really talked about. It. I don't know why. I always. I, why. I think we're we're this is how I see it. Yeah, he's we're like a new generation of this stuff, so we're taking it to the next step. And a lot oh. of these things, like you know, it's still hard for. The older you guys are like twenty years older than us to uh, really grasp that that the media is is completely lying to you about everything and that uh, you yeah. know there's it's still hard you know they still believe like stuff like that Kent State wasn't staged or JFK you know, or I'm talking yeah or JFK or Kent State or yeah, the Atlanta bombing, or and on, 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 on and on and on. So it's just, 
Oh, and then, of course, there's NASA. And uh, although a lot of them can accept the fact they didn't go to the moon, they uh, still have problems with uh, the fact that <clears throat> everything is pretty much faked. It's CGI and uh, it's just uh, theater. You know, it's when you this, there is a strong connection that's worth looking into if one is interested. True. And that is the Jesuits. I remember you mentioned them briefly. Yeah. And I have done a lot of research, and a great book, if you're interested, is uh, Rulers of Evil by Tupper Saucy, who passed away, unfortunately. He would have been a wonderful interview. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if you want to understand um, the Jesuits and their influence, because it's... Uh, well, I do buy into the Jesuit organization, because it, it is an organization. They don't hide. Well, yeah, the European elite has used that as a form of, uh, to, well, propaganda. It's a propaganda machinery to, um, you know, motivate, move the masses and that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's interesting because you find out, you know, like 17, if you look at the 1783 treaty, you realize that the United States never won any kind of revolution, and they've never been an independent, sovereign nation, and it's never, ever, ever acted unilaterally about anything. And no. that, you know, it's pretty. The, the, the oligarchy coming from the Western Europe still, you know, rule what we know is the Western Western no. civilization, or um, uh, the, well, the ruling classes. They never, they never lost their money. No. Their money just didn't evaporate. So if, if someone thinks they're not ruling over it, give me the date when they lost all their money, and we'll look into that day. <laughs> yeah. you, and there isn't a day when all of a sudden all their riches and wealth evaporated. <laughs> it just got, it just morphed in a digital, digital currency. It's they still have it. I'm sure they're sitting on and they. They still own most of the land, which in the that's end is just all that the only thing that's valuable, right? We have to live on the land, and they say they own it, although native people won't 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 really agree to that. <laughs> Do you have any native blood in you, by chance? I don't think so, but okay. Where's your ancestry? Where's your ancestry from? Well, I would say yeah. mostly European. Okay, is that? Like mine is like Scottish, English, um, Dutch, and Cherokee. That's where. Well, I don't have any Cherokee in me, but I would say Irish, Scottish, German. There you go. Traditional. Central and Western Europe. How many generations? Do you have any idea? You've, you've been there in Canada? Um, about the third or fourth. About the same as as myself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but, but you know it's it's interesting because you know we don't have the um, the quote unquote rich history that Western Europeans have supposedly. Uh, although after living in England for three and a half years and spending a, a great amount of time in Portugal, I'm not too impressed really. Although in Portugal, you know what I liked about Portugal, although it was the poorest nation in the EU, it's Financially, it had the richest uh, sense of community. Um, although, right. You know, well, what else do they have? 
well, I, have, I, I, I have a Portuguese. I have a Portuguese friend who owns a place in Lisbon. And oh yeah, he told me it's a good place to retire if I'm ever interested because they all speak English there too. So I, I actually was gonna make a trip over there just in the winter just to see what it's like to live there. But a lot of English people live in the south of Spain, and I know Portugal is obviously in the the western end of Spain there, so. Yeah, and the Algarve is where they like to go, which is southern Portugal. And right, yeah. I, I spent most of my time in Almada, which is the twin, twin city of Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Um, I met a gal oh. in England who was half East Timorese and half Portuguese. Oh, wow. And so it was interesting. I can't I got, understand what they're saying at all. They sound like a bunch of ducks quacking, but... It's true. It's true. They're nice people. <laughs> Great and people, and we had a regular contributor, fakeologist from Lisbon, and him and his wife, they spoke perfect English, so hmm. I'm That's sure it's a very, yeah, they were very with it and completely awake, and you know, for the most part, the weather's warm, but <laughs> there's not much I, to do other than walk to the beach and just food. Yeah, well, the food, at least it's, it's, you eat like a pig, you lose a lot of weight. Let's put it that way. Because you're eating real food there, so. Yeah, I don't so. <clears throat> eat like a pig, though. I just, when you're 50, you can't eat like a pig. You just eat good food and and try and stay healthy. That's the yeah. name of the game in middle age, isn't it, Mike? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I'm struggling with MS. and um, so that's Yeah, I think I heard you say that. Um. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm 49 and still kicking, so still walking and everything else. So, well, that's good. Uh, you know, what is MS uh, exactly? I heard that um, just the the word polio. The polio's never really gone away. It just changed the name. They just changed the name. <laughs> could be. Well, what they tell me it is is uh, the the deterioration of the myelin sheath. You get right. uh, plaque or, or uh, lesions, on, and it interferes with uh, the communication, and it affects yeah. your lower extremities and your eyesight and that kind of thing. So. And that's an autoimmune thing where your own body's attacking your the coating of your myelin sheath or the coating of your nerves, which is the myelin sheath. Is that correct? That's what they say. But it's not all yeah. like... Uh, Lyme's disease. In fact, they have a hard time uh, distinguishing between the two. And if you look at the symptoms, they pretty much parallel each other. So, um, what what is it? I don't know, <laughs> and I don't think they know either. So, although they had this new, I'm on this pill called Gelenia, and I take it every day, and it seems to help. Uh, it doesn't help me to get back to the workplace, but it helps me to maintain and get through a day. You know what I mean? So. Uh, which is you definitely you need when you got your full time raising by yourself a five year old boy. So wow, this is and I have a good for you, Mike. Yeah, got to fight the good fight, you know. And it's you know I think with the keys to life is you got to have people in your life that you can care about and love. Because mm-hmm. in well, any day, all all these things that we learn about. And I really feel that we're a small group. I just one of the things where I wanted to reach out with you, and I like reaching out with 
Chris is because we were like this small little nucleus of people that are all kind of on the same wavelength. (laughs) And uh, maybe it's because of the uh, YouTube itself and these channels, uh, but it causes us to to reflect on things that that no one else is reflecting on. Uh, One of the things I noticed, same time you're looking in, when did you start looking into the EGI before you actually labeled that? Probably a couple of months. A few, it's been a few months. I listened to Jungle Surfer spout off about it, and the way he treats it, it sort of it sounds ridiculous. It's almost I, I liken it to hollow towers. When I first was given the information or looked into the research that the Twin Towers in New York may have been hollow or not occupied or both, it just struck me as ridiculous. How could that be? How could... How could office towers uh, be that way? Now I've I've worked in office towers in Toronto, and um, we have some pretty big ones here too. And um, really, they're all connected in the basement or in the sub levels with pedestrian areas. So it's pretty difficult to figure out who's going where at any time. It's just like rats in a maze. But then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that certainly is possible because for the most part even in the last 30 years you can't just push the button of any floor in most of these big buildings and and go to those those floors they have keys or now they have computer access and whatnot card access but anyway so that when i when i accepted that hollow towers probably was one of the more likely characteristics of the towers to bring them down quickly without too much consequence I realized that I just should keep my mind open to this idea that uh, the elite have probably since they have nothing else to do except boss us around has probably been altering their appearances and and maybe they're doing it uh, in plain sight so as to test our, our gullibleness and uh, just like they do with major events in the world. And um, Unreal, who's a researcher in Paris, he started looking into it too, and he decided to coin the phrase or lift the phrase from somewhere called elite gender inversion, which sounds like a fancy word for transsexual or, or something in between. Because really, if you're... You're altering your physical and chemical makeup with hormones and surgery. You're, you can't change your basic biology, whatever that is, and I don't necessarily believe in DNA or um, even chromosomes. I'm, I'm sure, I think there's still theories, the chromosomal theory and the DNA uh, is just a model for what basic cellular structure is. I don't think anyone's seen a double helix. Uh, under a microscope, and if they did, uh, then I don't think they presented it. I think it's still a model, but anyway, the more I thought about it and the more evidence, that physical evidence, photographic evidence, mind you, because we have to go with the photographs because I can't walk up to these people and tell them to pull their pants down or lift up their shirt so I can check out their hips and their their waists and their Q-angle of their side to pelvis. Uh, it, it's pretty compelling. And it does make sense in a way that um, 
the elites always want to separate themselves physically from the masses because what other excuse do they have to rule over us? Because they're still made of the same flesh and blood that we are. So what gives them the right to boss us around? I think most of them don't think they do have that right, but they get put into the situation and it works for them and they're able to do it. So why not try and elevate themselves by changing their appearance to what we might think is a godlike figure? And that might help justify their position over us. So I don't agree with, I think there's now, because it's becoming more mainstream, I think there's a lot of disinfo moving into the field. And some of the guys are just joking around saying, ah, he looks like a guy, or he looks like a girl, or she, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, a lot of it's silly. Who's, who's, but, the, uh, who's on the, the YouTube channel? I can't remember, because I looked into this uh, back in, January myself there was like yeah. Johnny guy Johnny Holmes or Holmes <laughs> some Johnny guy the guy who calls himself John Humanity that's it was Johnny. a very effeminate voice exactly. and he won't address why it's so effeminate he won't <laughs> comment on his sexuality and he says he doesn't have to but he does say he's some kind of uh, soprano or alto tenor singer and uh, he does a lot of interesting stuff but he gets a little too—he um, gets a little too off track for me in a lot of his uh, videos. But he does sound like a very smart person, so I still listen to him. I, I do have to filter a lot of his language because it irritates it irritates me. And of course, Jungle Surfer has always been saying this person's a woman. He doesn't really say why a lot of the times. And um, of course, Unreal. He presents a lot of people that I'm not sure I agree with, but he speaks in a nice, calm tone. Now, and, uh, how, how does that? Because uh, there's a lot of unreal YouTube channels. How does he? How does he? Is it all capital? Or is it a capital? No, Unreal is not a YouTube channel. He's just a researcher on Fakeologist.com. Oh, okay. I didn't. Re- okay. Okay. I got it. Yeah, he just he doesn't have a YouTube. Um, he I, wants to make I, YouTube. I looked at that. I looked at in your where, forum. Which forum. Yeah, if you no, go to no. fakeologist.com forward slash forums, that's where people that are interested can um, start their own thread. Is that where it's at? Because I, I was looking at it the other day. Um, there was a whole big page of it, and it had. Uh, oh, yeah. It's in forums? That's under forums. There's a topic called EGI. Okay. And uh, very interesting. He's got a oh, lot yeah. up there. There it is. He got Tons the uh, stuff. Saddam and Omar and Bashar. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, so he's really I gave he's an author on egi.fakeologist.com, so he he also duplicates a lot of his material as blog posts. And um He's a good researcher, and he's he's put a lot of stuff out there that just it's worth considering. And I don't agree with everything that anyone ever says, but uh, man, it really well, makes you think and wonder. It certainly, it certainly does. But I can't. I, I hit the wall with this uh, issues. Is you know, it's like okay, uh, they're telling me that this guy is now a woman, and she's hotter, or he's hotter than any woman I've ever seen. And uh, as somebody who uh, 
for better or worse, spent most of his life chasing tail and pretty women. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of flat out there. There's not a lot of pretty women. That's why it's such a big deal. <laughs> there's a lot of ugly well, women. There's a lot, a lot of ugly guys. I mean, you well, know. Well, there's lots our, of pretty women, but I'm just wondering if we've been uh, fantasizing about men for the last 40 years. Because that's really, dis- that is disturbing. And well, I, I wouldn't be yeah. a lot of the people. A lot of the people we're told are are beautiful. Your mind works against you, saying, "Okay, you're telling me this is the most beautiful woman in the world. Why don't I see it?" Now, you telling me every week in a different magazine cover, I know what you're doing. You're trying to convince me with psychic driving and repetition, but I still don't see it. But after a while, your mind does relent. Because if you keep saying something over and over again, eventually people are going to submit and just give up and agree with you. That's how propaganda works. And it's very, very, very effective. You just keep saying the lie a hundred million times and people just give up. Say, yeah, you're right. It's like tortured confessions are never real because they're never legitimate because people just want you to shut up. That's why they disagree. So if we've been looking at a good analogy, especially if we've been looking, oh yeah, if we've been looking at transgenders, a lot of these women, including Charlie's Angels, and some of them were always really marginal. And you, because we don't didn't have all the information, we didn't know why. So we we're not sure why we're hesitant at accepting these because we look around, we don't see these type of people around us. We all have mothers and sisters and. We know what real women look like. They don't usually match what we're shown. And then, and then, of course, women today are told, don't try and strive to be like magazine cover females because that's not real. Okay, we I understand makeup, but why else isn't it real? And if they are fooling with, if they're altering these people in the womb, after the womb, after they're born in many ways, uh, we all have a right to know about this. I think it's important to know because if we're if if women today and even some men who have nothing better to do are trying to morph themselves into these altered humans, almost alien type humans, then they should stop it right away because you're not going to get anywhere uh, without uh, tons of money and surgery and access to artificial or or animal hormones. So it's pretty it's pretty important. And when I teach my children, I say, listen, that person you're lusting over or interested in, that's probably a transgender. And you really <laughs> shouldn't be looking at that and thinking, wow, that's someone I should idolize. You should even stop looking at them. Or, you know, like we do, is just don't have the television in, in the house, period. So it's been well, years since I've had it. Anyway, your child is five. Wait a few more years. He'll be looking at YouTube. That's the new television. And all the subsets of YouTube. So there's, They'll have that. They have that under total control as well. Yeah. Well, you're right about YouTube. He's my son already. I, I guess the one good thing about YouTube, it's helping my son to spell and words out. You know, <laughs> Dad, how it's do you double-edged sword? Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. 
YouTube will, YouTube or systems like it will eliminate school. School in physical buildings is completely unnecessary now. Completely unnecessary. Which is, it, it, I mean, how uh, isolation? How isolated do you feel already? Because I feel extremely isolated. Of course, my circumstances contribute. I, I think I'm one of their masterpieces. A 49-year-old man who doesn't, you know, doesn't have, not in a relationship. Who's a single father raising a five-year-old son by himself. Um, no. Talking to you right now via the internet and staring at a box, living in a box, driving in a box. Yeah. Right now I'm not working yeah. in a box, but I have to go to a grocery store in a box, and everything's a box. And so it's like uh, I don't have too many friends anymore these days, uh, and uh, and outside of the internet world. So I think I'm their masterpiece. It's clear that this is what they want. <clears throat> you know, if you look at school too, though, even when public school, at least for me. Uh, it's still, I felt isolated in a crowd. I always felt that way. I uh, think so. most people do. The rest of the people are really just faking it for the most part. Um, I've always uh, been an entrepreneur, had my own business, and uh, pretty much done my own thing, even through uh, public school. So I've always avoided, just for, because of time, uh, a lot of social scenes. Uh, I, I wouldn't call myself an outcast, but uh, yeah, I've, I've always been an individual by choice. I just never wanted to follow along. This is before um, I looked into the things I do now. This this is probably a hyper extension of the way my personality always was. I always used to watch the news and go to bed early. <laughs> Even... Uh, in the later years of high school, that's just that's just the way things worked out for me. And uh, outside of doing a side business here and there all the time, I just that's I've always been independent. I look at myself as an independent. I don't look at myself as a an outcast or an isolationist. I've just been too busy. And I think it's fantastic that we can uh, we can network and cut cut right to the chase in our conversations. I don't have to talk to you about any sports league or any other fixed uh, sports event, because I know you probably don't believe in it either. So we can just go right to the heart of the matter, and it makes for a more efficient conversation. So that's why I prefer talking to people that uh, don't want to bring up the latest Trumpism or or latest <laughs> uh, political event, because it's a waste of time. We may as well talk about a movie that uh, either of us probably don't even like. Well, I don't even watch movies, so I don't even I'm doing it anymore. So, uh, well, I've watched some of the Oscar movies. I'm not sure why I started. I guess sort. Of, I guess it's because I was listening to a podcast and they referred. Oh, I just saw this movie; it's really good. So, I go and find it on the internet, and I, I for the most part, um, I can't get all the way through movies. But I always have the pickle where you start watching it and you think I've I've just invested 20 minutes. Do I give it another 20 minutes to pick up and then it's 40 minutes? Okay, there's only 50 minutes left. Do you think it'll pick up in 10 minutes? <laughs> it's just, uh, at what point do you cut your losses? And I end up going usually always the way to the end and usually get a bad taste at the very end. But anyway. And I imagine for me, it will, things will change as my son gets older. And, um, you know, he's, he's a five and a half year old boy. So, yeah. He's into sharks right now. 
and he wasn't he was in the stick bot stick bots i don't know if you know about that but uh these no. are all these it's just like these characters that there's a new th- craze out there you can go out on youtube and a stick bot central and uh these kids are making little videos with these little plastic characters with their phones oh. and they got an app and they and they do all these like little action like cartoon animation type thing and and well, uh, i don't know about that that's that's yeah. a generation behind now i'm a generation behind yeah, well, the only reason I know is because I got a five and a half year old son. Yeah. Who... Well, that's fascinating. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've never. Heard I don't of have that. a cell. Phone. I don't have a cell phone. Although I do have one. I'm going to charge it up and see if. Because uh, I don't have a. I'm not hooked up. I, I, I decided. Well, part of it's because financial reasons. Yeah, I'm sure. And uh, but other thing was, you know, I just. If you don't. I'm going to experiment, and I'm going to see what would happen if I don't have a cell phone. And you know what? The only thing that changed is that I, instead of me constantly checking to see what's on my cell phone, yeah. uh, I not waste my time doing that anymore. So I'm more, you know, in the moment type of thing. So I don't think I'll ever. I might be one of the few people left who doesn't have a cell phone, unless I'm forced to have a cell phone. I'm not getting another one. Uh, I might have to once my son gets older, but right now I'm definitely not going to do it because I just don't miss it. I don't. I don't. You know, I don't miss the texting. I don't miss. Uh, oh, you still there, Mike? Yeah, I hear an echo. What's going on, man? No, no, I got a real call. I, it's funny you talk about smartphones. I'm on a smartphone, and when you're out uh, out and about. Um, you can't live without them. I know what you're saying. Uh, hey, would you be interested yeah. in seeing who this Rodney K is? Do you know who Rodney K is, by chance? No. Who are you talking about? He's in the chat room. You want to have him join us and see what's going on? Just out of curiosity. That's or, fine. You know, I've, got, I've got about 15 more minutes, so, yeah, that's fine with me. All right. I, don't, I can't see the chat, so I'm not looking. Rodney K, are you there? Can you hear me? If you yes. can't hear Rodney, how's it going? I was just mainly listening. I was listening on his little iPhone. Uh, it's called an iApp. If he's got an iPhone, it's called an iApp. When you go into the uh, Safari search engine, it gives you an option if you just want to use it like an app. It's pretty cool. Uh-huh. So, uh, oh, you didn't see oh, me online. But, uh, yeah. I was you just don't have an iPhone? I don't, I don't even have no. a, a cell phone. So. <laughs> No. I have an I have a an LG Android device. You guys have a good good conversation. I like that. Uh, I, th- I think you guys I are like safe. That. Your children are safe. The people around you now uh, may may drive you crazy, but uh, I think y'all realize everything that you see today is created by you. If you looked in the mirror, if, if you looked in the mirror, Rodney. everything you see today was caused by you. Rodney, what parts are you from? Uh, Oklahoma City. Oh, okay. Oh, you're near Chris from Oklahoma. Two people from Oklahoma. There you go. Chris, uh, the uh, fellow that does the myth-busting? Hoaxbusters. He lives in Lawton, Oklahoma, down the road. Yes, yes. Fantastic guy. Yeah, big military uh, area there, Fort Sill. Yeah. Yeah, he says that, yeah. Yeah, he's interesting. If you want to see some zombies, that's a good place to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, is that right? 
Okay. Well, I'm glad you called in. uh... I respect the military, but yeah, a lot of those young ones in the military, they're just, uh, I don't know if they're there just to play or they're bored or what. They they just can't think. Well, they need a J-O-B. That's just as good a J-O-B as any. Well, I've actually had, had had experience, so I'm not just saying it to dog anybody. Okay. You know, the military. I've just actually I've I've experienced a lot of military personnel, and they're they're an interesting group. Well, I, if I had nothing better to do, I would have joined the military. My grandfather joined the uh, U.S. Navy because he had nothing else to do, or actually no, because he wanted to serve. But now I'd, I'd be afraid of getting that 21 vaccination gun shot into my arm. That would be enough to just not want to do it. It's unbelievable. Well, Obama had a pretty good idea, but of a different take. What if we had our own military, like the old, the older people, the ones who still have the uh, the godlike thinking mentality that we we might have? We form our own yeah. military, and we get we get stuff done. We don't play around. <laughs> well, I don't know what you mean by get stuff done, but what is well, it? Well, we're do? we're being invaded by televisions and Hollywood. Well, just declare war on Hollywood. Why not? Let's do it. What are we like? Go around and break everybody's television. <laughs> get a bat and break everyone's uh, television. Just, uh, a couple. You don't need no television. Maybe give Hollywood people a few days to get out, and we're going to just carpet bomb everything. <laughs> well, I think uh, it could be imploding on its own anyway. Just give it time as people uh, just move away from their media delivery system. Well, I don't know how trustworthy move- he is, but according to uh, that fella in Austin, Texas, that does that internet, you know, that show, you know what I'm talking about. He says Hollywood yeah. is uh, bankrupt, so that's why they're t- selling everything to the Chinese. We're trying to, anyway. Is, are we well, talking thing, about blowhard the, the, Alex Jones? Is that we talking about? Uh, well, the Chinese. Well, he's Alex Jones, yeah. But if you call him a blowhard, uh, that, yeah, that's yeah, that sounds good. That's well, the <laughs> Chinese, the Chinese is just the third wave of the American Empire. I don't really understand why people like to point to the Chinese as this up-and-coming, right? It's just another franchise of America, for God's sakes. What's the fastest-growing restaurant in China, you know? McDonald's. <laughs> it's KFC. It's KFC, a Chinese company. Last I looked, I could buy them on the New York Stock Exchange. So the Chinese is America 100 years later. They've gone from a rural peasantry to consumers so it's 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 just the next wave of america well, the thing is too if you do also look at the the uh the monetary system and how the in the debt system that we're, we're under they're so much tra- entrapped and snared in it as the rest of us nothing's going to happen nothing's going to happen between us china, just gonna, is no, not, china is no more the enemy than russia 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 could never be great because the communist system just doesn't work. Because plus, plus if Russia's, I find out, Russia's if I, been the longest-running ally for the United States 
of any country. They've had a treaty uh, for over 200 years. Well, you've always needed a contrast. So listen, I mean, the whole reason why communism, of course, doesn't work is why should I do all the work when you sit on your ass and we both get the same piece of bread? That'll never work. Never, never. I think he's correct about that. Even during the Cold War, it was part of a psyop to get people to think we have this nuclear weapons to be afraid of. Well, you need a contrast. So how do we keep people working and keep people in the so-called democratic capitalistic system? We just show them the alternative. Do you want that? Okay, you don't want that? Then keep doing what you're doing. But China is just the United States 100 years later. They went from an agrarian economy where basically all they made is rice. And uh, in order to get the people into a consumer economy, you got to give them something to do. So they took all the jobs that uh, the blue collars anyway wouldn't do or couldn't do for low prices and just moved them over there. That gave them money. Now they're consumers. Then it'll take 50 more years before all they realize that uh, they don't want to build headphones for $2 a day. And then they'll just move all the jobs next door to Vietnam and and spread it around, and they'll someone, do the same uh, contraction as the United States is. So someone earlier just, mentioned the flat, the flat Earth. Uh, now, I've never really believed the Earth was a globe. You know, raised in a Christian background, and uh, with this new information coming out that NASA was a hoax, uh, the only three countries that have a space program is, well, as far as I know, I think India has one. Was China, Russia. And the United States. And it all came out in the 40s, really started taking off in the late 40s, I believe, as a PSYOP. I don't know what, what it was about, but we went through a cold war about, for, for no reason. Well, it was about many things. Uh, just an extension of the military-industrial complex. Uh, vast amounts of money. We got the airplane perfected. Therefore, uh, to take extract more money, you have to create this whole space idea where you have to spend untold billions on taking planes to the next level, to the next to outer space, basically. And that, because nobody can get there and nobody can even imagine it because we can't get up there anyway, uh, they can extract billions of dollars because it's, it's literally an area that most people can't go to. We can't envision it. And therefore, it, they can extract as much money as they need. It's same with nuclear which is another hoax. Nobody can understand it. We're told it's too dangerous, so, and we're, we're told we're too stupid to understand what the uh, high priests of nuclear do, and therefore they can extract as much money as they want because nobody can challenge it. And it, it, it could even be the same as under the sea. No one can go down five miles under the sea if it even goes down five miles. So anything that happens under there, we can't challenge it because we can't get there. We can only argue about what we see with our six senses up on Earth here, up on the plane. But when when we start talking about areas that we can't sense, we're really held hostage to someone's myth, and that's basically like unicorns, like unicorns, like unicorns, right? And how how they use that to manipulate not only the masses, the general populace, or the peasants, the also the elite. <laughs> the elite were spending. Tens of thousands of pounds on a unicorn horn. <laughs> Which so we're, we're talking, yeah. We're so we're told, and from the you know, 
I'm sure that there's some legitimacy to her her research, the gal that did it. Um, and that you know, what do you do? You know, in other, my my everything that you just mentioned, Ab is uh, the, uh, there's no answer to any of it. Not no. to you and I, because we're we're not, as George Carlin said, we're not part of the. There's a big club, and you're not part of it. We're not part of it. We're not privy to know. We, so and hardly we don't know. anyone's really part of it. That's the main thing as well. There's there's hardly anyone part of it. There's only a few. There's only a few at the top. The rest are just hangers on or or are on the periphery. But not too many people know all the the secret sauce. I don't think too many people know the formula of KFC or Coke or or nuclear. I I guarantee it's a very tiny group of people. Very small. Do you think nuclear weapons really exist? Of course they don't. I don't believe in nuclear science. I think that's a good deal. Good deal. Yeah, I was looking at the nuclear science. Even the atom. The atom is the atom is a theory. It's so so pathetic because it's like it's so obvious. You got what six six of this and six of that and six of the other, a a proton, electron, a neutron, and I'm like, who's ever seen an atom? Who's ever seen an atom? Who's ever seen a virus, for that matter? Who's seen any of this stuff? I know. Uh, You know, I know for a fact, like when it comes to uh, carbon dating and uh, radio uh, 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 isotope dating, that it's all just a farce, too. And I know firsthand for that. Yeah, I would agree. That's a hoax. Yeah. Well, even the electron microscope, if you look into who has access to them, and how the images are generated? Most likely, it's uh, that's a hoax too. Now, what about dinosaurs? Do you think that? Uh, I think that's just another myth that took off. I think a lot of these myths start out as just little jokes or stories, and then they they take a life of their own because nobody questions them. And the next thing you know, they're just part of uh, the general the general knowledge. But they all start off as myths that. I think I think the people that create them don't even expect them to be believed. But once they once they perpetuate and build on them and see there's no resistance, and then a generation goes by, they get accepted. So there's definitely well, a don't myth. forget before they market this stuff too is in the imagination of children. That's where McDonald's yes. markets all the, all the all the cool stuff. Restaurants they put toys in their yeah. Happy Meals or. They put it on a cartoon that your child may watch. It's all now. Now check this word out. People say it all the time. Pro pagan duh, propaganda. Yeah, pro pagan. Yeah. And all paganism no. is there, there's good pagans out there, but all paganism is is a, an alternative to reality, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty fast. Pretty fast. Reality is pretty. Uh, well, it's all man-made, and, and it's what we believe in. There's only a few realities. Um, one of them is the sun, because I know I can see it every day. It comes up, and it's warm, and it gives life. And there's it's, and it's the same size as the moon. Yeah, and yep. um, I know without it, I'd be pretty depressed. And <laughs> uh, the plants probably wouldn't grow without it, and we probably wouldn't be able to survive. And and I know the ground is solid because I can walk on it every day. And there's, there, there aren't too many sure well, things. 
Well, you know, one of the things that bring that, that I've been because I, I uh, doing the taboo thing for that. I everyone says, you know, Mike, you know better than this. And this is I'm looking into the the uh, mystery of Sasquatch. In the South, they call them boogers, <laughs> catapults, and uh, I just uh, the need for the need for uh, mystery mythology. And for the slave class in particular, which is us, whether we want to accept it or not, um, uh, why is that so important in our in our lives? Is it just a way to to deal to bear with the unbearable? As the old movie, when the a bear, unbearable lightness of being that we experience, uh, you know, that we need something to uh, believe in, and you know, as I share with my son. And I said, you know, Chase, you know, this is magic. This is all what they call magic. This is not real. And it's okay as long as you understand that this is not real, which you watch right now as far as the cartoon goes, or Santa Claus, which I got great grief for when I told my son when he was three that Santa is an imaginary person, and it's okay. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, man. And not only that, my... My son's mother, which she she called, she she said, I didn't bother to check into it, but I believe knowing who she is, uh, she called a local rag, the the Toledo Blade, uh, about it, you know, and said, you know, my my son's father told told that, that Santa isn't real. I I got Why so much. Why would you grief. tell a newspaper that? Uh because they, just like everyone else, thought that it was one of the most worst and most terrible things I ever did to my son. But I'm an artist, and if you were to look around my place, it's nothing but art. I just created, just spent two months creating a castle of toothpicks for my son. We do crafts all the time. And so, you know, that's who we are. We, uh, we make up things. We create things, and that's okay. This is we understand what it is. That's you know, cool. that's interesting. In, well, because that's what we are, isn't that what you're doing? I mean, in a way, I mean, with your website and what am I doing? You know, we are creating something. We are, yeah, we I'm are creating builders. something out of nothing. I agree with that. And so, but you know, you got to understand what it is, and um, you know, are you prepared? Am I prepared if they were to pull the plug on us? Uh, well, I but, could write everything down on a piece of paper and photocopy it and mail it out. Like the old go. days. That's right. So there are there used to be newsletters and whatnot, and I could, you know, we could you could send me a self-addressed stamped envelope, and I'll send you the information. That that's not going to go away. It's just a little slower and a little harder to get noticed, but that works too. Yeah. So you just uh, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, life is what it is. And, I know, you know a guy uh, who used to sell information uh, via back of a magazine. I used to send send him 15 bucks and he'd send you a list of this and that or whatever it was in business and he made a good living. That was when, informa- when information was harder to come by on just about anything. Yeah. So, a, the, there was a the, life before the internet. I think one of the tricks for me at least over how I see it is you know being grounded is distinguishing from knowing from belief. Yeah. 
that's the way to, you know, you want to be grounded. You say, okay, what do I really know? Which is usually something that I can do or been have experienced personally with, you know, as you said, the five or six senses, depending on how you look at it. And, uh, and that what yeah. I believe. And most of what is in my head and most of what I was taught, whether from the public pool system or from church or from uh, whatever, you know, the, the television or the people around me was just belief. It wasn't necessarily real. Yeah. It's just, you know, you know, as a kid growing up as a Mormon, I was told that Joseph Smith was a true prophet of God. <laughs> oh, dear. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> really and, sold you a bill of good. And I even went on a mission, you know. And uh, yeah, you know, I, that's but that's that was my culture. That was my subculture. That was the people that were telling me. But you know, that's no different than everything else. I mean, I've we live in a land of cults upon cults upon cults upon cults. It's a, a lot of it is just imagination, the power of imagination. So. And it really comes down to it's like okay, well, how much am I going to let somebody else control that of me, or do I do it my own way? On another, on another call that I, uh, the people I talk to, we just break down words. Uh, we talk about casting spells, spelling, yeah, sentencing, you know, the stuff. Think of the word imagination, magi. I, Magi, the Magi. Magist- magistrates, the judge, the magistrate, you know, going all the way back to, yeah, you know, Babylon and Egypt. And you look at the judge in England and they're wearing the, the wigs. <laughs> and our judges, you know, wearing the black robes. You know, that's one of the fascinating things. You look at whether it's a Jesuit or a rabbi or whatever it is, they all wear black. There's a reason for that. It's symbolic with that. And there's... Uh, in fact, you, you know, a lot of folks will tell you that black is, uh, influences people. That when you see somebody in black, it kind of a, a authority or even a black yeah, teacher. But it, but it all comes down to <laughs> when, you, when you get to the imagination, it all comes down to what you believe and what you sign up for. Because after all, when you go to a jury of your peers or you go to get sentenced, you know, the spell casting, uh, it's your convictions that, uh, that will uh, judge you. Right. Well, the thing is, if you go down, if you go down the road of your doing your own thing as best as possible, like for me, it's been creating my own original art or music. There is no guarantee by going being your own person that it's going to be embraced by the world. You're going to make a good living or do anything like that. But I have to tell you, I when it comes to the music or the art or just uh, walking my own path and. I've tried to walk other people's paths and what other people say, and, and I'm, a ter- I'm terrible at conforming. I was not made to conform. For some reason, and I think probably uh, Ab's the same way. Maybe you are too. I don't know. Uh, th- I just don't conform well. I don't think. Yeah, I'm a nonconformist. Yeah. I'm a nonconformist. I'm a contrarian, a nonconformist. You tell me one thing, I'm going to. Try and take the opposite position just to see if you're full of it. And you probably are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the but thing that's is, what I'm called. That's how I'm dismissed now as a contrarian, just among people that are uh, not fakeologists. They say, ah, you're just trying to be difficult. I'm having one of those you know, weird. 
weird deja vu moments because I feel like I just, I've experienced this before. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, is oh yeah, I get uh, deja vu all the time. <laughs> <laughs> are you willing to uh, to admit that fact? Are you willing to admit, look in the mirror and say, you know, really, I'm full of shit, literally and figuratively. <laughs> so, no, I. I'm so not what, anymore, Mike, because I squat now. <laughs> did you hear that interview I did? That was one of my last interviews last year now. No. So now tell me, when you say squat, what do you mean? Like being a squatter or be squat like taking a crap? <laughs> when you go number two, you need to squat, just like uh, some of the old Asian countries are still doing, although they're stopping real quick now because of the Western British influence. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, it is the most efficient and healthy way to uh, remove waste from your system. And it is the waste that is stuck in your system that is harming a lot of people. Yeah, oh yeah. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to take anything. Now, I, I, are you talking, now, are you talking about like using the stool type of thing or... No, yeah, I'm talking that's... about the best way to eliminate is just to squat down and sit over a hole. Because, you know, because what I use, I use a stool in front of my, uh, <laughs> in front of the, stool? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a thing called a squatty potty. Yeah. And uh, that's something that uh, is, a, the guy told me that's a one out of ten on a scale of one to ten uh, of of healthy alternatives to using Queen Victoria's throne. <laughs> but if you want to be completely healthy, you have to basically squat down over a hole. And uh, if you don't have one convenient, then there are some devices that can jury-rig a, a normal toilet. They're not nearly as as safe or as, as simple, but they do work. I have something that I use called a lily pad, which if you're a carpenter, you can make it yourself. And they even sell the plans for five bucks. But uh, if you're not handy with wood, they'll they'll build you one. They built me one. I had a ship from New Zealand, actually. And uh, actually, it's a very... Uh, that's one thing I do all the, every day is uh, not to be too coarse, just a proper elimination. Uh-huh. Well, why so, not? <laughs> it's as important as what you put into you, getting the poison well, that, out. Well, I just want somebody who's suffering from MS, I can tell you for certain that's one of my biggest problems. And, so, and it does affect my sphincter muscle. Everybody has well, a butthole. Our, ba- so. our basic <laughs> biology is meant to do it a certain way, Mike. You really should look into it and listen to my interview uh, on Fakeologist Radio. Go to fakeologist.com forward slash radio archives and look up the interview. Well, I, with I, John I, 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 do, I do. I this this was a while ago because I think because I think that's when I started using the stool thing in front of my porcelain yep. throne. But yeah. I'm seeing what you're saying. Maybe I need to make it a little higher. Um, no, you need you need to uh, look up. Just look up the lily pad from New Zealand. That's basically uh, 
Well, I'm looking. That's I'm a, looking. I'm looking at it right now. So, that's <laughs> with the what cat, you need. with the girl sitting up, sitting on top of the, the. But she looks like she's not actually. So you don't actually touch the throne. No, you should not. That's not healthy. You should not be on it at all. You should hover. And actually, I've got. I I couldn't do it at the beginning because I my muscles in my calf muscles were unused. We don't use them. So therefore. Yeah. Um, it took a what? while to get to get them to get them solid enough so I could do it without. And even now, after a couple of minutes, which you should never be in that position for more than a couple of minutes, I still they still get a little sore. But you should do all your business in under in in thirty seconds. Well, that reminds me of the band that I knew, gone in sixty <laughs> seconds. Uh, well. I know, you know <laughs> I don't like talking about basic biology, but uh, it's a very I think it's a it's a crucial part of our our health. It sounds crazy, but you won't find too many people researching it because there's no money in it. Correct posture. <laughs> you don't have to sell a drug and and uh well, you think for thousands of years this is how uh our ancestors eliminated so it yeah. doesn't, it's not unreasonable, and it's not really bizarre. It's just actually a lot of things that we do are actually what is unreasonable and bizarre. I imagine if somebody could well unnatural, let's call it unnatural. Okay, I'll say that. Yeah. we live on natural lives. It's synthetic reality that we live in already, and uh, well, we call it modern modernism, but a lot of these things are are not good for us. Yeah. You know, what what to do about any of that stuff? You know, I, I was listening to, there's also, you interviewed somebody, I think last year, in the fall, it was somebody who's really optimistic, the, the Hispanic yeah. fellow, that, what's his name, that was, that you interviewed, and he's like, you know, movements and changing the world and about 9-11 and all that kind of thing, and uh, you know, I'm I'm on I'm more of a contrary like yourself. I mean, I've seen too much. Yeah. I've, been, I've been involved in enough movements from whether it was to deal with the GMOs or East. I'm Timor only involved in one movement today. There you go. That's and that's that's using the lily pad, man. That's the, that that <laughs> that is that is knowing. That that's that's the difference between knowing and belief, right? I mean, and, yeah, and I know of, it works. I'm telling you, know, you, I never saw anything work like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who knows maybe that's the one thing that could change everyone's life you know is just learning how to take a crap again but uh you know that's, that's the way it is well it it might improve all kinds of things that you may not think are related and i'm not even kidding about that oh yeah well definitely i know a difference i've from my experience of MS, because it's hard to take crap, because don't have the signals going down there anymore. So, um, if, if if it, so I've I've had moments real where it's times this MS where it's been a week or two, and I tell you, the longer it goes, the worse you, I feel. So as far as being clogged up, so <laughs> I can say. It makes a difference for me, and uh, yeah. What the, well, that's a fine note to end on, don't you think? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, do I appreciate too. Uh, the talk. And uh, yeah, again, if you go a week or two, then you have definitely should try something different and try this. Uh, try the full squat and see if that helps. Because I don't think uh, basically it uh, doesn't require a lot of uh, nerves or nerve uh, action. This is basically a complete physical, complete physical posture. To which you can use to uh, facilitate what you need to do. So it might be a better position. You should really look into it because a week or two is sounds very dangerous. Oh, it is. So I have to take all sorts of stuff. I take all sorts of uh, cascara is a really good thing to take, by the way, <laughs> and it's natural. Yeah. Uh, I never heard of it. But yeah, Mike, thanks so much for uh, having yeah, me on. I don't do too many broadcast or interviews so well i hope you join me again maybe uh a few months down the road and because uh, it sounds like we're on yeah. the same page about a lot of things so i think we can just have actually i was thinking about oh, yeah. maybe having uh maybe do it on your show too you Chris, oh yeah you're more than, and I. yeah you're more than welcome i haven't just had a chance to get anyone on at any time so i'll put you near the top of the list for sure yeah let's talk man and uh you know, one of the people I want to talk to as well, where guys talking about flat earth and all that, is uh, beyond the imaginary curve, the guy from uh, Ireland or Scotland. I, he's, yeah. I think he, I think he'd be a fun fun person to talk to. So, um, you know. Yeah, I and don't know him. So, yeah. And he's and he's a little more realistic about things too. I mean, he's like you know, at the end of the day, we don't know what the hell we were living on. <laughs> they haven't told us. No. <laughs> no, you're right. You don't. That's All right, let path. me uh, let me know. Could you put a link at fakeologist.com forward slash chat? Just put a link to the show for me, and I'll uh, post it when you're when it's all said and done. If you don't okay, mind? Or can I just email it to you? Email it, or you can go to fakeologist.com forward slash chat and just drop a link in that area. Okay, and that'd be fine. Uh, I'll try to figure that one out. Sure. All, All right, right, Mike. Thank you. Have hey, a good day. Nice. Great talking to you, Ab. Take care. Okay. And uh, Rob, he, he looks like he left too. So. All right. That was fun. We're going to have another a fun time too later on tonight. We'll be talking to Nino more about uh, the hardcore scene, the American hardcore scene, and the shadier side of it. So. There we go. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.